Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. After a full weekend for the Cat as they take on the Ottawa Senators today at 5 here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Welcome to Hockey Central at noon, everyone. I'm Peter Klein. He is Will Nault. Will, happy Monday, sir. How are you today? Doing well, Pete. What's uh, what's happening in your world, sir? Oh, not a whole lot. Uh, forgetting that college basketball exists as uh, the bracket is pretty well done, but uh, had a fun weekend of hockey watching. So really no complaints on my end. What about you? Yeah, pretty much the same here. The uh, The weather's starting to turn, which is uh, which is always nice. But uh, just hope that or wish, I guess, the, the game on Saturday had a bit more excitement. Uh, it was pretty flat from a Calgary standpoint, especially offensively. But yes, a lot of sports and watched my bracket essentially get blown up every single direction possible. I think maybe, just maybe, Pete, and this is giving myself the benefit of the doubt, I might have one of the final four teams remaining. Uh, it was not a good weekend mm. for my bracket. Yeah, I have one final four and none final two. So, um, again, not a math guy, but that, that feels like a tough way to go about winning a bracket. Yeah, not sure you have a chance. Uh, yeah, no, that, that's going to be real difficult. Uh, and the one that I have is the one everyone has in Gonzaga. So I, I think I might be done. Uh, coming up on the show today, we have our WHL roundtable coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, but without any more or any further ado, uh, let's chat with Peter Labardius. Flames Insider, Peter Labardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit Gemini Group. Group.ca. Lou, a weekend split with the Toronto Maple Leafs going into a, a series with the Ottawa Senators. Before we get into tonight's game, um, I guess your thoughts on how things went over the weekend against Toronto. Well, I thought things went quite well, in fact. Uh, you know, you knew Toronto was scuffling. You know, they'd only won one game in six going into the weekend. So they were rested uh, reset, refocused for sure. And, you know, to go into Toronto and play that hard and compete that well and do an excellent job against their top people for 120 minutes and take a win away right at the top of the list for me, guys, work really good, compete, really good would you have liked a little bit more offensive zone time on saturday absolutely but i don't think in assessing games we we can never forget about the opponent and i thought toronto played an outstanding game when it came to their work and their structure and how hard they made it for the flames to get any Thing done. In fact, the game on Saturday from a Toronto perspective, not as much the Flames, gives me more hope if I was a Leafs fan that they are taking significant strides to being able to play the game in different ways and be successful. I, I think every once in a while, fellas, and you know, you guys may see it different, and that's the best part about this show is you know, we all get an opportunity to chat about it and have our own perspective. But the game the other day was sometimes you have to just 
you know, reach out your hand and, and shake the other guy and say, yeah, tonight you were a little better. Lou, yeah, we no, always talk about... I... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, Pete, I just want to jump on that because we always talk about progress on this show, Lou, and it was, what, three and a half, four weeks ago where they had a very similar game to what we saw Saturday in Toronto. I didn't feel they had a lot going offensively, and it just it, it didn't seem to be their night from start to finish, and I felt much the same this past Saturday. Was the effort there? Sure. But did you ever really feel like that was a game that Calgary was going to, to make something of or, or have anything going offensively? For me, it didn't. And, you know, we, we stressed early in the year about progress. And, and I guess for me, and the point I raised, Pete, is, is where are we seeing progress? How much has changed? Because for me, a lot of that game on Saturday was similar to early in the year where, again, they weren't white-knuckling by any means to the finish line. But I, I didn't feel at any point that Calgary was a legitimate offensive threat from start to finish. No, and, and that is fair to me where the progress has come is that I am uh, about ready to, to leave the, the effort questions behind. Um, I, I think with the, the games that we've had under Daryl, there has been one where I didn't love it. But aside from that, I, I thought they rebounded well against Toronto here in these last couple of games. And, and so now you get into a spot where work ethic wise, it was there. And then Toronto was just a better hockey team. Like there, you knew going into that game that if the Flames played very well, they could still lose because Toronto was that damn good. And I, I don't know if the, the Flames played amazing, but um, and if if either of you disagree with me, by all means, go for it. But I, I feel like we are at the point now with the Flames under Daryl where I, I at least can stop going. My first thought being, okay, was buy-in there on this game? Because that's clearly been there for about 90% of the, the Flames with Daryl Sutter. So now the progression gets to the actual X's and O's and the, the hockey stuff instead of the, the buy-in question. Well, where I would go from an offensive standpoint, when you, you, know, when you look at the game on Saturday, uh, you can break it down somewhat individually. But you know what the most concerning part for me was? is the first unit power play. So when you play a team like Toronto, you, you most nights you have to understand that, you know, they're incredibly deep. They're incredibly hard to defend. Chances are they're going to have the puck more than you. They're probably going to create more than you. Yes, would you like more offensive zone time? But the biggest issue for me, and it's – you know, kind of been the case even during Daryl's time is the first unit on the power play has just got to be better. They have got to generate. And in fact, you know, mention it all the time. Your top offensive guys, when you have good touches on the power play, can really lead to better results in five-on-five five situations. And, and I, you know, I believe that forever, and I certainly don't believe it any less. So when I go back and take a look at, you know, their lack of ability to create, I, I think Toronto played as dialed in, as structured, about as good as they can be. And that's a really good team. So when that team is dialed in and their team game is at a really high level, you're not going to probably have very many stretches where you're dictating to them. So when you do have a man advantage, it needs to, if not score, it needs to create some momentum. And I certainly thought 
it was a detractor rather than creating momentum. And do you feel that that's the area perhaps that, that maybe is, is I'm trying to look for the right word here, but maybe deterring their, their even strength game the most, because uh, again, I know there's been certain times where the power play has clicked and they've had production, but to, to your point, I mean, I just put the numbers out on Twitter a couple of minutes ago, but the last, since February 13th, you look at all the big offensive stars for this team and a mm-hmm. lot of guys have struggled at, at even strength. It, is it all on that, Lou, or, or is it just kind of, no. you know, it all feeds no. into each other, doesn't it? it? It all feeds into one another. And actually, if you take a look at the overall power play breakdown, it's not bad. It's not bad. So to clarify with you, Will, what I would say is games are very opponent-derived for me. So in a game like Saturday – when it is so hard five on five, and as we know, you know, against good teams, this this team as a whole doesn't score easy five on five. So yes, it's collective, but I think against Toronto, you know, it becomes even more important because of the opponent. And when they are playing well, that is that's an opportunity for you to not only maybe score, but to drive some momentum. So to fast forward to tonight, do I see the power play as being important and feeding potentially five on five? Yes. But frankly, if the flames play the right way, I don't think that area is as important. If this makes sense against a team like Ottawa, as it would be in games against a team like Toronto. Because you should, on your own, with your abilities, you should be able to drive way more five-on-five offensive flair tonight than you would in a game against the Toronto or, you know, when a McDavid and Dreisaitl and they can get you on, on the back foot and you just you have to absolutely be so good in your defensive details. That, to me, is the difference. You know, there's just certain, those two teams in particular and Winnipeg, with all their depth, you're not going to, you don't have the firepower that those groups have. So your defensive details and your structure has got to be incredibly high, and then you need to capitalize on the opportunities that you get. Now, when you're playing the other three teams, especially tonight, You need to drive the game five-on-five. And against Ottawa, they have not done that often enough. No, that that one I will absolutely agree with. They they have had too much trouble with the the Senators so far. Um, And that certainly needs to change tonight. And uh, I think one player, when we're talking, we can talk about a few guys, but uh, Dylan Dubé certainly getting a a lot of headlines coming out of the the last couple of games, specifically last one. I believe it was four shifts in the last 40 minutes of the hockey game. Um, It it seemed like something had clicked for Dubé under Daryl, but uh, Daryl Sutter sending a message that, hey, it has to click all the time instead of once every once in a while guys let's let's hear from both guys coming out of that scenario and then i'll i'll jump in and then i'll let you guys 
you know, further the conversation. So let's hear from both Dylan and the head coach, Daryl, on Saturday and why Dylan played less than seven minutes. I just think I, I needed to be better. Um, I don't think I was ready to go right off the start. And uh, for us to win against the Toronto team, the top in our division, I think everyone needs to be going. And, and, and I wasn't. So I think it's a better start for me and uh, be able to carry that through the, the whole game. He really hasn't struggled at all until the, until the, he's played really well until until the uh, second game of the back-to-backs. I think he lacked a little bit of energy. And with that, he lacked a little bit of his speed, which is essential to his game. So here's my take on the whole situation, guys. I think Dylan Dubé has played some great hockey. Great hockey. In fact, I really believe that in the next couple of years, he will have an opportunity to become as important a forward as you might have on your team. I I truly believe that. Now, how you invest in people matters in this situation. So you can look at it as a punishment. I look at it in a sense of tough love in this regard. I truly believe two things about how Daryl Sutter, you know, thinks. And it's only because I hear it from him on a daily basis. And that is, you know, your young players have to experience and get better, not only when they're feeling it. You know that that line about you can't only be able to play a good hand, you've got to be able to some nights play a bad hand well. So it is so important for one of your key players going forward that their habits and their ability to do what I just talked about, this guy is going to be truly, I believe, a real focal point. So the sooner you emphasize to someone like this and make it clear, your best people have to lead your group. And I think this guy is going to grow into one of their best people. So for Daryl, in not only thinking about today and tonight and when he made that move, and again, could I be completely off, off the page? Maybe. But, but building your young key people, setting the expectation and accountability Yes. Is it hard? Well, of course it's hard. Did Dylan enjoy Saturday? Not for a second. Not for a second. And was it tough? Yes. But that's how you find out. And that's how, you know, again, for all of us, we all want to be told what we want to hear. It makes us feel better. But in order to grow, sometimes it really matters when somebody helps you by telling you some things that you need to hear. And that's really, to me, the moral of what we saw on Saturday. And, and I also have no doubt that Dylan Dubé, who I thought was playing terrific hockey under Daryl, maybe as good as anyone. And Daryl just alluded to that, too. I think it just makes you better. I really do.
Yeah, and I, I like the messaging of, hey, look, he, he was playing very well, um, but we need you to play very well every night. You can't just have a couple of good, and I'm not saying this is what Dubé was thinking, but you, you can't just have a couple of good games and then, well, I've had a couple good ones. I can take tonight off. It's no, you, you need to be good every night, especially the spot that the Flames are in right now where you can't really have many more games off. Um, it, it is all about the, while we are building for the future, it is also, you, you can't take much for games off in, in this league and in this spot the Flames are in right now. Well, do you have anything to add on that? Oh, sorry, I thought he was throwing that back to you, Lou. I was like, oh, did we lose Lou? No. That was uh, completely my bad. When you're doing the show in three different locations, that will happen. So my mistake, guys. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, bottom line is you look at, we referred to it earlier in the call, the Flames have struggled mightily against Ottawa this season. If they hadn't done that, we're probably not talking about this team in the spot they're in. They need to win these games. We said going into the trip, you probably needed a split in Toronto. You got that. Now you need a sweep in Ottawa. And, and uh, again, still on the, on the board for them. But that's what they need to do. And as for Dylan Dubé, I, I think to your point, Pete, it's not the way he was approaching it. He's not saying, okay, I'm going to take some games off here now. But no. And I think for me, the biggest thing that's been missing for this team for the longest time has been accountability and, and stuff like this with Daryl Sutter on Saturday. It's it's okay. Dylan, you've been great, but hey, have a seat and, and here's a couple of things you did wrong. Let's see if we can right the ship here on Monday night. So that's that's how I read everything, guys. And for me, again, you look at the math alone. Um, you know, this is a team that can't afford to lose many more games. 24 left. You've probably got to win about 16 to get in the playoffs and for a team that's got just two, three-game win streaks all year long, it's it's not an easy ask. And again, um, you're two, two and one against Ottawa this year. That's that's not good enough for a team that wants to make the playoffs. No, not even close. And when the other teams are styling on the Ottawa Senators, and you're trying to keep up. Uh, you, you certainly have to to keep up when it comes to playing the Sens. And Lou, that's why uh, I think around the table we all agree this first period tonight is a big one for the Flames. Do not let this Ottawa Senators team hang around. We've seen what happens when that happens against the Calgary Flames. This feels like a night where if you can put the Sens away early, it's going to be very, very beneficial to you. Well, the Senators really are the Rodney Dangerfield of the division. And, you know, the Flames are not the only team that has had a tough time. In fact, in their last eight home games... Ottawa only has one regulation loss. So the Senators are pesky. They have some great young talent. You know, players a lot like Dylan Dubé, in fact, who are learning and having great nights and on the flip side at times feel overwhelmed, i.e. what has happened against Ottawa when they've played the Edmonton Oilers, who have feasted on them and gone 7-0. and But the only game and the only period you have in front of you is the first today. And the one thing, and you guys tell me if you see it the same way, if Ottawa gets some saves and they keep their feet underneath them early, they're a dangerous team. They don't go away. That's like they will roll over four lines. And, you know, the defense is one area where I think, you know, if you can put some pressure on them, 
you can make things happen. So if I'm looking for a blueprint against Ottawa, I, I look no farther than, you know, how the Flames have played in many ways in the recent games against Montreal. They drove the Canadians bananas. And think about, you know, what Montreal has to offer personnel-wise and on the back end. So, yes, the start of this series, Daryl talked today in the media availability about, yes, X's and O's, they'll make some adjustments. There's some things that they'll be able, if they play right, to get done. But Daryl talked about, you know, your preparation mentally. You have got to put a high-level game on the table tonight. And if you do, I think the Flames will be victorious. If, if they give you a C game tonight, they're going to be nip and tuck, hanging on, fighting for their life all evening. And they don't want it to be that way. This one, unlike the Toronto game, the expectation is different. It should be different, and what you're looking for should be different. Uh, Lou, last one for you today. Uh, trying to get in the way of a good start for the Flames will be Thomas Shabbat. Um, again, a, a Senators team that, to your point, doesn't get a whole lot of respect. But uh, what respect they do get, a lot of it goes to, to that young defenseman who has turned himself into a star in this league. Well, you know, Thomas really jumped onto the scene, I thought, at the 2017 World Junior. And um, it's one of the greatest defenseman performances by anyone in the country and then it carried on to you know what's been a pretty darn fine start to his national hockey league career now in many ways you know he is the driving force of this team he plays over 26 minutes a game in their last outing five days ago against vancouver which was a shootout loss he played nearly 35 nearly 35 so he is a driver he feels very very comfortable playing big minutes so if you are the calgary flames not necessarily about running him through the end of the building but mm -hmm. you want to make it miserable for him you want those minutes to be very very uncomfortable minutes because you know it's it's not unlike guys other big-minute players, now he's not in that same ilk and doesn't have the same kind of help that some of the other key players that the Flames have had to focus on recently, but if you can make Thomas Shabbat's life miserable and that defensive group as a whole miserable by defending the right way, spending little time in your own zone, and getting to your four-check game, Two keys for me tonight, get off to a great start, plant some lack of belief for Ottawa, and absolutely be relentless in zone when the puck is there. I think, I think that's a good recipe. By the way, and, and you guys will both remember this, and I had to look up the exact amount of time. In that gold medal game against the U.S. that went 20 minutes of overtime, and a shootout that, you know, the, the bad guys won and the good guys lost. 
he only played 43-53 in that game. 43-53 and never really seemed to waver. Yeah, that's not bad. That that'll uh, if you can you can trust a defenseman in a high that's leverage a game to play that, those kind of minutes. You 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 would take that, hey? That's a night. That's 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 yeah. having a night for sure. Oh, Goal and an yeah, assist, I... two points, forty-three, fifty-three. Yeah, not quite a good enough night, but pretty good. <laughs> yeah, certainly no fault of his that it wasn't a good enough night. I don't know if I can uh, play no. forty-three minutes in a week, um, but uh, yeah, that that is quite the night, Lou. Uh, thank you for this. This was a lot of fun today. Enjoy the game, and we'll chat about it tomorrow. Thanks, guys. Always enjoy the visit and have a great afternoon flushing this one out further. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. And if you miss anything from the Flames, you can get caught up on our Flames Roundup Highlights twice a week, hosted by Pat Steinberg. Look for it online on Twitter, Facebook, and at sportsnet.ca slash 960. Brought to you by Brightside by ATB, a new banking app to help you spend and save for what you love. A lot more on the Flames and Sends to come as we get ready for a 5 o'clock start, but we slip away from it for a few moments to chat some WHL as the Hitmen took on Lethbridge three times over the weekend. The men who called that three-game set will join us for our WHL roundtable coming up next. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. It is a Flames game day as Calgary gets set to take on Ottawa tonight. It's a 5 o'clock start, means a 4 o'clock warm-up here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, plenty on that as the day rolls along. But we head into the WHL now for our WHL roundtable. Very pleased to be joined by Brad Curl and Dustin Forbes. Gentlemen, how are we today? Good afternoon. I'm well. Excellent. Uh, now, it was the, the hitman against uh, Lethbridge over the weekend. Uh, Brad, we'll, we'll start with you. You guys are okay today, right? Like, no fisticuffs or anything over the weekend? <laughs> we were able to able to be adults about things? I know you can be very immature sometimes, so I'm just uh, just making sure. Yeah, I refuse to talk right now. I'm going on strike. Let's <laughs> hang up on Dustin. This conversation's over. I'm yabba-dabba done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Curly. <laughs> hey, I'm glad you got home safe last night. <laughs> well, I was worried about it because you asked for the keys to my car and then you disappeared for a while. So I didn't know what you were up to, but no, in all friends? seriousness, <laughs> it, it was good. It was good. It was, it was nice to put these two teams on the ice again against each other. It was almost two years to the day when these two last met in the playoffs, the last time the Western hockey league had playoffs. So it was nice to, to renew the rivalry. And it really was a, a close series. Calgary takes two of three in two of the three games. You've got empty net goals. And in the other one, it was an overtime winner. So Lesbridge takes the first one, three, one Calgary, the next two, a come from behind win on Saturday. And then yesterday, a bit of a, a rodeo. It got wild uh, 11 goal hockey game and the Hitman won at seven, four. So a little bit of everything this weekend. Yeah, and a lot of fun. Uh, I feel like we saw some jam from both sides. Uh, Curly mentioned the come-from-behind win on Saturday for the Hitman down 3-1 with five and a half to go before 
winning in overtime. And then last night you saw a little bit of jam from the Hurricanes down 5-1 early in the third and made a game of it, bringing it back to 5-4 to to before a couple of uh, empty net goals by the Hitman iced it 7-4. So uh, it, it kind of felt like a playoff series, Curly. I don't know about you, but the, the three-game sets, they, they seem to, as you get through to the second game and then the third, uh, there, there's some animosity there. Yeah, there certainly is. And I agree with you, Dustin. And I think the teams are treating it as such. I had a conversation with Trent Kassan, the assistant coach of the Hitmen, and he basically says that they are trying to use this as a mini playoff series. It works out perfectly because it's an odd number of games. And you're right, as the games go on, the gamesmanship slides into it. You know, you poke our goalie, we'll poke your goalie. When you rub me in the face with your smelly glove, I'll get you as well. There, There is a little bit of that. There was a couple of stories that really jumped out to me, one being on the Calgary side, Tyson Galloway. If you don't know the name Galloway yet, get to know it in Calgary. He is one of the, the terrific young stories of the Calgary Hitman season. A 16-year-old last year who didn't really arrive on the scene until Yegor Zamula went down with that back injury that he suffered at the World Juniors. The Hitman summoned Galloway from minor hockey, comes in as a defenseman that just got better and better. But we didn't see his offensive game last year. Had only one point in 33 games. This year already, he's got seven points in eight games. Three goals. He scored a Bobby Orr-type goal for the game winner against the Lethbridge Hurricanes on Saturday. Three-on-three overtime. Cuts in off the left wing, goes to the far post and tucks it around the pad of goaltender Carl Tedichuk for the game winner. Really like the emergence of young Tyson Galloway. I know when NHL Central Scouting came out with their players-to-watch list, he wasn't on that. But for me, sometimes you can take that list and, you know, carve it up and throw it in the garbage because it really is only players to watch. And with players being off for almost an entire year, it's just a guess by scouts. They really get the opportunity to see them now on the ice. And I think Galloway is turning a lot of heads. What don't you like about a guy that skates well at six foot three and a half, now putting up offense and cut 15 pounds off his frame to get quicker and faster. He was a real bright spot for me on the weekend. I love this. You guys have answered like three of my questions already, and I've barely had to say a word. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Dustin, we, we talked about uh, last week the, the importance of kind of having some of those veteran players in a year that, that is so unpredictable. Uh, but uh, I do think also, uh, again, I'm not breaking any news here. You need everyone. It's uh, how teams work. But um, to, to have some of those young players stepping up, I'm sure the same is happening on the Lethbridge side of things as well. That, that really can help tilt things into a team's favor. Yes, the veterans are going to do their thing but if you can get those young players going that that can really help yeah absolutely and, and just to, to finish a thought on Tyson Galloway I mean I was really impressed by him on the weekend and I uh, talked about him on our, on our opener last night uh, before the game and Curly said he lost 15 pounds uh, in the uh, extended offseason I can tell you I found those 15 pounds but uh, the <laughs> hurricane you know they, they've they've had a lot of good young guys come come to their own this year too. Uh, Ty Nash, who hasn't scored yet, but uh, has three assists in eight games this year, uh, has has been really good. And and Curly probably saw it on the weekend. You know, he's an agitator. He gets into the fray on Saturday night, for example. He drew three consecutive penalties. Hurricane scored twice on on those three power play opportunities and uh, gets in down low. Set up a goal on Friday night, uh, which proved to be the game winner. And uh, he's really starting to find a stride. Joe Arnson on the back end for the Hurricanes, a 17-year-old defenseman from Swift Current, just a big, rugged guy who really worked on his shot. And, and you know, we saw last night on the, the Hurricanes' second goal, which kind of sparked the comeback, a good 
hard wrist shot from the from the top of the circle that was deflected in and uh, as you said Peter I mean you live and die by your your top end guys your older your veteran guys but uh, you can go as your young guys go and uh, not to forget about Zach Stringer who scored a couple of last night up to six points in, in eight games this year in his draft year. Chatting on our WHL roundtable here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan, I'm Peter Klein, joined by Brad Curl and Dustin Forbes. Um, I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on your opposition. You, like you guys said, it, it kind of felt like a playoff series. You saw, if my math is correct, 180 minutes and 38 seconds of the, the opposition in, in the three games. Brad, we'll start with you. What did you make of the, uh, the Lethbridge Hurricanes and your extended viewings of them? Well, to me, they're almost a mirror image of the Calgary Hitmen. They've got two veteran goaltenders in Carl Tedichuk and Brian Thompson. They've got a, a, a younger defense that has some promise to it, but are led by NHL draft picks on both sides. You've got Luke Prokop from Calgary, a Predators prospect, and Alex Cotton of the uh, Detroit Red Wings on the Lethbridge Hurricane side. And then up front, you've got some useful enthusiasm, and you've got a bit of a veteran presence as well. So really almost images of one another. I like this Hurricanes team. It amazes me over the years as to how they've been able to kind of play at 1980s hockey and, and live that way. And I mean that very complimentary in the sense that they're not afraid to take some chances. And I thought it was a big difference in the weekend series was Calgary's adjustments in Saturday night, the first period, I think they gave up four breakaways to the Hurricanes because Lethbridge can really stretch the ice on you. And Alex Cotton, to me, is a really underappreciated offensive defenseman in the league. I know the numbers are there, but he can move the puck like the best of any of them. And he sprung a couple of Hurricanes on breakaways on Saturday. But Calgary was able to take that away and put it more into the trenches um, at times. But Lethbridge, to me, is just that real young, exciting team. There's there's lots of young players to build around. I like that group. I like their youthful enthusiasm. I like their, their no-quit attitude. You know, and with that youth, sometimes you're going to make some mistakes. And we saw that on Saturday with a two-goal lead. They get a defenseman who pinches in when you're up. Those are young mistakes that you're going to make. But these really two teams that I think that as, as they evolve and grow, just going to continue to look in the standings and go, we're almost right beside each other because they're on the same building block path. And I agree. And my feeling basically is the same about the Hitmen. I mean, I, I look at the, the bottom six, if you will, up front, uh, and they were the difference maker last in last night's game. Zach Funk and, and Adam Kidd had a couple of goals. I thought Brandon Wynott was pretty good. And uh, Tristan Zandi, uh, I, I think the, the sky's the limit for, for this kid. I mean, he's uh, late 2003, uh, 6-3-2, 202, and set up a couple of goals last night. And uh, if you're if you're a Hitman fan, uh, be excited about those three or four guys that uh, right now are in the bottom six, but I, I don't think it'll be too long before the top six guys. Uh, Brad, looking forward to the, the weekend now. Obviously, this one uh, goes the, the way that the Hitmen would want. Uh, anything that they, they would like to see kind of tweaked going into their next game action? Yeah, can we not call penalties anymore? Just play all the games five on five? <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. Calgary's power play this year has has 
really yet to check into the season. They have not scored a power play goal this year, and that's that is real interesting to me. I think that's one thing that the you know this condensed schedule where you play on the weekends, they get an awful lot of opportunity to practice during the week. So they are working on that that youth that Dustin talked about, and and even the veteran players that were here last year didn't really play the power play. So they're still trying to get the power play going. The special teams have not been outstanding, but five on five, they've been great. So I think for Calgary, that would probably be one tweak if he could somehow get the power play going. It would be nice. They're going to need it against Edmonton. We'll talk about the Oil Kings, I'm sure, momentarily. But that, to me, is, is the one area of their game. The special teams have got to find a way to, to not lose those every single game. Uh, they're winning hockey games, but in spite of special teams. And Dustin, uh, three close games, as we've discussed, but uh, the the Hurricanes do end up on the wrong side of the rubber match on Sunday. What would they like to to kind of correct as they go into a, a trio of games here against Medicine Hat? Well, it's funny that Curly mentions the the power play for Calgary. Of course, uh, hasn't scored a power play goal this season. I think from a Hurricanes perspective, the power play is just fine. I think it's the five on five play that they're going to want to. Uh, uh, chip away at it and be a little bit better at it. If you look at it, goals for, goals against, 10 to 20 on the goals for to goals against for the Hurricanes. They've been outscored double, uh, five on five. So I think even strength is an area where they'll like to try and tighten up uh, ahead of Medicine Hat this coming weekend. Uh, Just a a couple more for you guys. Both teams, we saw it this weekend. We're we're seeing it quite a bit. Um, These three games in in three nights, it's not just three games in the same place. There is quite a bit of travel back and forth. Uh, We saw it, like I said, with you guys. Both of you are going to be seeing it again coming up this weekend. Do you like the three games in three different spots, or, or would you like to see a little bit more consistency maybe in that? Well, I'll, I'll say, I mean, it, it would be nice to be able to go back to back in one city, but uh, given the given the restrictions put in place by the by the province and the health authority, I don't think that's a, pro, uh, a pro- opportunity, if you will. Um, I, I think we're we're used to three and threes, Curly, but uh, when you, when you look at a full sixty eight season, uh, fifty sixty eight game season, usually we only see three or four maximum and here we are three weekends in a row with three and three so uh i know how i feel after a three and three as the broadcaster i can only imagine how the how the players feel after it yeah and i I actually like it this year more than ever before uh based on the fact that it is a development year and you are in a compressed schedule where you've only got 24 games and really puts the emphasis on using your entire bench. And that's what you want. You want to be able to to play all your players and give that same development opportunity to everybody. And I thought for Calgary, we'll just look to last night in Lethbridge, that fourth line, the kid line, pun intended, with Adam Kidd in the middle and Zach Funk and Tristan Zandy on the wings. They were instrumental as to why they won that hockey game. So to be able to push your lineup and push the coaches to have to play everybody, I think is great for development. And three and three really forces your hand. And it's the same thing with the goaltenders. Everybody's going to play. It's rare that someone's going to sit on the sidelines all weekend long. So I like the three and three logistically. It works out quite well. Nobody really has a, a, a horrible, you know, 10 hour bus ride, you know, Edmonton down to, uh, Lethbridge would be what five hours, and the Medicine Hat to Edmonton I think is a six-hour ride. So it's it's not 
terrible. It's not glorious. You know, everyone would like to be Regina Moose Jaw, where you're 45 minutes apart, if, if that was a dream scenario for travel. But it's, it, it's the best of a, of a unique situation. And I think that's the one thing you talk to NHL scouts about. They love the Western Hockey League because the compressed schedule it really challenges you as an athlete to take care of your body, not stay up late texting your friends on the bus on the way home, get some rest, recharge, and, and get ready to play hockey. And I think for the development aspect too, Curly, it opens up during the week, right? I mean, you look at this weekend for for Les or this week for Lethbridge, right? They have a day off today, but then practice tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday. If you had uh, a game on Wednesday, now you're not getting as much practice time from a development front. So I think the three and threes in the truncated season helped with with that as well as what Curly mentioned, being able to use your entire bench throughout the weekend. I don't know what sums up junior hockey more. The fact that Curly said, yeah, six-hour bus ride is fine. Or the fact that he followed that up by saying, well, we'd all love to be Regina and Moose Jaw, which is uh, a sentence I never thought I would hear. Uh, <laughs> as um, as we, we wrap it up, Curly, you, you wanted to talk about uh, the, the Edmonton Oil Kings. Obviously, front of mind for you as they take on Calgary this weekend. Uh, literally could not ask for a better start to the season for the Edmonton Oil Kings at 7-0 and with a rather remarkable goal differential, 34-4 and nine against uh this is appears to be a juggernaut that the the hitmen are getting ready for this weekend yeah indeed i talked to the general manager jeff chanel the hitman and i said describe the oil kings for me and he said very deep and talented they're top six forwards as good as anybody in the western hockey league and the reason why i want to talk about edmonton today not only compliment their seven and oh start but those who follow the national hockey league draft i want to get to know these two names one is dylan gunther the other is Sebastian Kosa. We'll start with Gunther. He was the first overall pick by the Oil Kings in the WHL draft in 2018. Worthy of such, he had 103 points in only 30 games for the Northern Alberta Extreme. Now, last year, as a 16-year-old in the Western Hockey League, he set the Oil Kings franchise record for most goals and points in a year. This year, he's got 15 points, leads the league already. He's got eight goals in six games. And interesting to me, I like to watch the breakdown of special teams uh, versus five-on-five. Five. And Gunther's not living in the land of power play, just pick up the power play points. Of his eight goals, only two are on the power play, which goes to show as a 17-year-old in a league that is 16-20, to 20, he's dominating five-on-five. Five. And Sebastian Kosa, another projected first-round NHL pick. So the Oil Kings have the luxury of two. Kosa, interesting to me, models his game after Jacob Markstrom and Pekka Rene because he's a monster in the net. Six six and a half, two 203 pounds. This year, only Dustin Wolf of the Everett Silvertips, by the way, Flames prospect, who has two shutouts in two games. Flames fans will be excited about that. Kosa has the second-best goals against average at 1.17. So Kosa and Gunther get to know those names for the Oil Kings, two projected first-round picks, and they've got that great core to build around. Jake Neighbors was a first-round pick of St. Louis this past draft. Of course, he's out of Airdrie. He's got a point in every game this year. And Matthew Robertson, the second-round pick of the Rangers on the back end, they are deep and they are a juggernaut. And if you're the Oil Kings, you're going, hmm, it might be in a year where there's possibly no playoffs in the Western Hockey League. That yet to be determined, but Edmonton is the real deal. Yeah, and deep is the the right word. I mean, you look at their win last night, 5-2 against Red Deer, and five goals, five different goal scorers, none of them named Dylan Gunther or Jake Neighbors, who, of course, is a first-round pick of the St. Louis Blues. And uh, last night, Colby Knight was in goal for 
Edmonton. So they can even win without Sebastian Kosa in goal, who had started the first six for the Oil Kings. So uh, you guys are in for a tough test next weekend. They're good. I can tell you that. They scored seven on back-to-back nights against us on opening weekend, and uh, they they ripped the puck around pretty quick. It's fun to watch, but uh, they can sure score uh, with the best of them, boy. And on the uh, other side of that, we- guys, just want to mention that, that Red Deer did play Edmonton this weekend, lost both games. The, the Rebels right now, I know we got a lot of listeners in the Red Deer area, they're fighting the injury bug right now. They played with a five regulars, Kyle Masters, Joel Sexsmith, Mason Ward, Ben King, Jaden Groob, all injured. Groob, that's a tough one. He's a Calgary kid. He's a former first-round pick of the Rebels. Was projected to go in the NHL draft this year. be interesting to see how his stock adjusts because – He's lost to the season, suffered a knee injury, so Jaden Groob is gone for the season. That's the tough news for Groob and the Rebels. The good news is it sounds like he'll be ready to go in time for when hockey does resume next year. So Red Deer, they'd like to play anybody right now other than Edmonton. They've lost 14 straight to the Oil Kings. Jeez, yeah. (laughs) Anyone but Edmonton seems like a a pretty good strategy there right now. (laughs) Uh, Lastly, as we we wrap this one up, um, I believe the old phrase, it was a Michael Jordan commercial, it must be the shoes. Uh, Dustin (laughs) noted that that might not be the case for Brad Curl. No. uh, Curly likes to call the game with his shoes off, apparently. I was joking last night because we were over talking to uh, a public address announcer here, Tony Days, and uh, Curly was without his shoes. I said he hasn't been here in Lethbridge for 20 years, but it's still Curl's house down here. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to paint the picture here, it was yesterday. I thought it was fantastic, not only in Alberta, but they picked it up in Saskatchewan as well in the bubble in the East Division. Well known that it was World Down Syndrome Day yesterday, and a symbolic show of support for those living with Down Syndrome. Both the Hitmen and the Hurricanes took part in Rock Your Socks by wearing mismatched hockey socks during the game. And it's well known that, that, yes, I do like to take off my shoes during the broadcast. I actually picked this up from Mike Boyle. He's the longtime voice of the Spokane Chiefs. He said, you'll never be more comfortable if you can broadcast your game in your sock feet. So that's what I do now. I take off my shoes because I say to people, what's the first thing you do when you go home? You take your shoes off, right? So why not get comfortable? I challenge everybody who's working in an office today, take your shoes off at the desk, try it for the afternoon. You won't go back. It's true. It's true. It's comfortable. <laughs> I, I'm currently sitting in slippers, so I, uh, I may not be the best one to ask on this. Uh, guys, this was fun. Thank you for this. We'll chat next week. Looking forward good. To Thank it. you. Shoes off. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Our life advice and our WHL roundtable here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Both Dustin and Curly joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Now open for limited diet-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975 at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. It's a Flames game day. We get you ready as we close out Hockey Central at noon next.